is to never give up, um, to keep fighting, that even when the world is turned against you or even when, you know, you don't have a great family environment, you don't have friends sticking around, someone has to fight for you so you be that person that fights for yourself because you deserve to be here. I mean, no matter what anyone says, no matter what even Anna says, you deserve to be here. You were put on this earth for a reason, a reason none of us probably will ever know the answer for. But don't you want to enjoy life, experience life, be free? Hi, I'm your host, Imogen Barnes, an inspired mental health advocate, eating disorder survivor, and your most fierce recovery companion. You're listening to Empowered, a empowerment podcast that celebrates demolishing your limiting belief systems, inspires growth, and focuses on integrating your values into your goals and behaviours. If you're ready to be motivated, educated, and inspired to start your journey to recovery, in whatever form that takes, listen in and prepare to be empowered. Hello and welcome back to Empowered. I am so, so excited to bring you this week's conversation. I had the phenomenal opportunity to interview one of my best friends and biggest inspirations, Ashley Thomas. Ashley survived anorexia nervosa and has since dedicated her life to starting a conversation about mental health. She shines a fierce light into the recovery community and never ceases to amaze me with her strength, perseverance and dedication to transparently demonstrating her path to healing. Together with her mum, Ash founded The Secret Burden, a community devoted to starting conversations, challenging the stigma, and creating change. It is so empowering to see Ash strive to educate, foster development, aid in prevention, and offer hope to those suffering from an eating disorder. She is nothing shy of superhuman, and her words of wisdom will leave you breathless and covered in goosebumps. I cannot wait for you to tune in. Prepare to be completely, completely inspired. Like always, I'll leave a precautionary trigger warning prior to sharing our conversation. Do rest assured, we don't discuss numbers, explicit detail, or the recollection of disturbing experiences in this episode. However, we do discuss eating disorder cognitions and behaviours. If this is something that you feel leaves you feeling vulnerable or in any way impedes your peace, please feel free to click away. And as usual, I'll leave the links to support services that you can access in the show notes if this episode does trigger anything for you. Okay, so welcome to the beautiful Ashley. Ashley, how are you today? How are you going? Um, I'm fabulous now that I've seen you. Um, feeling good as always. You know, it's a little bit iffy at the moment during COVID, but feeling pretty amazing considering we are here um, and the mind, body and soul is all aligned. So I can't complain. Oh, that is fabulous. That's the best response I've ever had to that question. It was, oh, stop it. We guys were both blushing. (laughs) Do you want to start by just giving yourself a little introduction so our listeners can get get to know you, your story, who you are? Let's hear it. Awesome. Um, So my journey pretty much started when I was 13. Um, It's a little bit before I was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa. So prior to my diagnosis, I would say I was a perfectionist, A-grade student, wanted everything perfect and everything had to be perfect. And I was very driven um, to be just noticed and to be seen. And when I found going through high school and social media was being introduced, I felt like I was invisible and that I wasn't accepted and I didn't fit in. And I felt the only way I could do that was to have the body, have this perfect, thin, ideal looking body. And when I thought that I didn't have that, I craved it and I did whatever I could to get that body. And at the time, as I said, social media was being introduced and influences were starting to be a thing. So when I saw all these beautiful women having these thin and ideal bodies and they were having likes and getting all these followers, I was like, well, I, I want to be like that. I want to be seen like that. Um, so that kind of started my journey to being quite restrictive and starving myself to become this ideal of beauty. Um, And then once I was diagnosed with anorexia when I was 13, I um, had a very, very tough time. Um, My recovery was very extensive and it still continues to this day. Um, 
but it was a time where my family and I struggled a lot and I went through a hospital admission um, for 12 weeks where I was fed through the nasal, um, fed through a nasal gastric tube and um, probably did things that families and children shouldn't experience in order to just survive. Um, my journey is now extended to where I am today, where I'm now advocating this space and connecting and meeting new people and being able to share my story and also create change in this area so that people that have a voice and have, have experienced an eating disorder can really speak up and not be ashamed and not feel humiliated and get help, seek help and be able to know they're not alone. So that's kind of it all in a wrap. I feel like I could go on forever, as you would know about um, my journey. But yeah, that's kind of a big sum up. No, that was a beautiful summary. And it's just it so seems as though you've just come full circle. Do you know what I mean? You really, you really fought for your life in every mm-hmm. sense of the word. And now you're helping others do the same. And you are such, such a voice in this space. And you're so empowering. And it's mm-hmm. so incredible. And I honestly feel like I'm not alone when I say that I feel like we're fighting together, you know? Yeah. yeah. We are in this oh. together. You are so open and honest. And you are so yeah. encouraging. And I know that so many people look up to you and it's just so wonderful to see someone that's so candid and real and it's, and do you know what? That is awesome. Oh, it's okay. We, we love happy sobbing here. That's, we're all about that. It's just, I love to see someone you, I literally epitomize the concept of transforming your pain into your power. You just, you took something and you just, you turned it on its head in the best way possible. You know, you weren't like, we have so many of these media standards that you said you spoke to and they're like, it's so easy to internalise these subliminal messages that encourage us mm-hmm. to shrink our bodies in order to attain this mm-hmm. ultimately unattainable ideal. And you've gone yeah. like, do you know what? I've done that and I know learnt the hardest way possible yeah. that it was just not worth it, right? It's not worth yeah. No, it's sacrifice. not. And it's so sad that we still like years on from when I was at this stage and as you would know when you were at this stage that we're still receiving the same messages and young girls and young boys are still receiving the same messages and yet we're still falling down the same trap and it's so sad to think that nothing has changed and yet for example the medical system as well has not adapted to this change as well and social media has only just influxed our lives even more and still we're seeing our, our vulnerable young people just being affected by this. And no one's, yeah, we're speaking up and we're shouting, we're cr- trying to create change. But as I've always said, like voices like ours, we can only shout so much. We, we don't have all the money in the world. We don't have all the support that we need to make change behind us. We're only doing the best that we can. And when there's still no action being taken from people that do have the money that do have the time and do have the resources it sucks (laughs) it's really frustrating because we're all just doing the best that we can to try and prevent this from happening and to try and make change by using our voice but at some stage we need help yeah and when we're not getting it it's it's so exhausting and it's frustrating and especially as you would know when you hear the exact same story pretty much aligned with your story being told to you seven years on in your journey you're like how how are we still here hearing the same stories and it's so frustrating because we are individuals and our voice is only so loud and we're Mm -hmm. coming up against this multi-billion dollar diet culture industry Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like they're endorsing they have the money to endorse all their really problematic messages that we don't we don't have the money to do that and it's we are individuals and we are representing ourselves but we're also representing like you said the, the thousands of people that have the exact same or very similar experience to that of us and these voices go unheard because they're not like the diet industry. They don't have all these this money behind them. They don't have yeah. the endorsement that that industry has. And it's yeah, you're right. It's frustrating because you can just mm-hmm. feel like you're just you're screaming out into this void, and your voice just goes nowhere. Yeah, it, it, so often I feel like I'm screaming at a wall because 
I mean, even, yeah, we have the conversations or the ads that pop up when you're watching television or the magazines that still exist, social media ads that now come up, or even just the conversations in your workplace. The amount of times I've had to stop people in the workplace and be like, hey, why are you doing this? Why do you want to restrict your eating or go on the next fad diet or do intermittent intermittent fasting or like what's your reason behind this and it always comes back to I want to change the way that I look so that I can look a certain way and feel better within myself and I always say to them I have been there I have been to the place where I want to feel better as an outcome of changing the way that I look and it's it's not what happens when you get to a certain weight when you lose a certain amount of weight when you think you get to your ideal body you don't all of a sudden just magically become happy. It's not how it works. No. You actually crave it more and you want to lose more. And the ultimate answer, and I don't get why we're looking for an answer because we should just be content with who we are and what we look like, is to just appreciate who you are, love who you are, be grateful for what your body is and what it's giving you rather than what it's projecting to the world. Yeah, yeah, and it's... Shrinking is not a happiness catalyst and diet culture paints it as one. But if anything, I think it's the opposite is true. The more we shrink ourselves, the more unhappy we get. You know, the more we stray from our authenticity, the less satisfied we become. And it's it's really devastating that that is not a message that's shared. Rather, you know, people are just trying to sell you. Sorry, the diet culture industry, I suppose, is trying to sell you the cure for your supposed flaws and people will pay for that of course and and that's why the industry keeps going Mm. we just along the way we lose our happiness and we lose our sense of self and we lose our health and our well-being and Mm. for some of us you know we almost lose our lives you know we almost pay the ultimate price and it's it's ridiculous Mm. and I wish so badly that we could get into the education system and change the way that we educate people so that they can be really tuned in to how different different diet industries are going to manipulate them into thinking that they're flawed or different messages that you know that you have to you have to be able to discern as real versus fake and fake news and things like that exist in in every form and they are so convincing but and and no one knows about it and then people like us 13 year old 13 year old kids we all we get sick because Mm. that that's the degree of this messaging and this yeah it's awful I think yeah what's what's so hard as well is that sure an adult can look at this messaging and go yeah that's wrong or can look at a filtered Instagram photo and go yeah that's not real but social media has opened up the audience so now we're not just targeting people in their 30s their 40s and 50s people that could or should be receiving this content we're targeting people that are 10 years old 13 years old 14 years old their brains haven't fully developed they don't understand that looking at a filtered photo and looking at a real photo they don't know the difference and when we're introducing this messaging and this diet culture to that age We then can't tell them, okay, you can control your social media environment or you can control what you're receiving because, as we said, they don't know. They're kids. No. And all the same messaging is going out to all the same people and we're expecting the same outcome. But, as I said, these guys are kids. No. No, actually, I spoke recently with someone from the Butterfly Foundation and we were talking about social media literacy and the, Mm. the need to introduce something like that into primary school settings you know and keep it going throughout the whole education um you know mainstream education system because we need to know we need to know when something online that we're viewing is trying to sell us something or whether Mm. it's potentially filtered or the target market that it's trying to attract you know we need to learn how to appreciate what we're viewing and and realize maybe how detached from reality it is or what it's trying to make us feel and what the purpose behind that is because you can teach someone how to use a computer that's all fair and well but is it really going to do anything in the grand scheme of things if Mm -hmm. what they're accessing on that computer is doing them harm you know I think we need to look beyond teaching basic computer skills and look at Mm -hmm. what the impact that computers and social media has on these people and like you said there are there are eight-year-olds out there that scroll through Instagram. You know, no eight-year-old has going to ha- 
possess the cognitive capacity to discern between a filtered picture versus a genuine unfiltered picture and they're not going to know what to do with the feelings that those pictures mm. evoke you know like yeah it's ridiculous and that's the silly thing like they see a filtered photo which they see as an ideal body then next they'll scroll through an ad on instagram that will sell them a shape to help them lose weight yeah. or then they'll scroll through the next photo of their f- friend posting a photo with them in a bikini and getting all these likes and seeing that they're accepted and loved and the next will be an ad about the new weight loss scheme like this is the environment our young people are exposed to daily like we're not talking about once a week or you know once a fortnight this is daily being consumed by our young people and even if they're not taking it consciously subconsciously that content is going inside them making them feel insecure and then if they don't have you know don't feel like they fit in at school they then go back onto social media see all this content and then realize how they could possibly become popular how they could possibly be thinner and ultimately then become quote-unquote happier and that's a relationship that we just need to break we need to like put a stop road in the middle of that and be like hang on a second this needs to change because it's starting at as you said eight and then there are so many years in between reaching you know your adult years so many years in your adolescence that you're continually being exposed to that and nothing's happening to change that yeah it's like it's constant like absolutely uninterrupted subliminal messaging messaging mm-hmm. excuse me that that in insists that we are only worthy when we're small or that our worth will increase if we decrease in size yeah. and that is that is so false oh. first of all but it's yeah. it's it's potentially dead it's potentially deadly and we know for a fact mm. that you know poor body image is a major mm. contributor to the development of an eating disorder and dieting is even more so so the more people that we have you know they're looking on social media they're seeing people who are supposedly the ideal of beauty and then they're drawing the conclusion that they don't align with that ideal and therefore that they're not beautiful you know they're really really vulnerable to the potential of going on a diet and trying Mm. to change their body size and if they're if they're unfortunate enough to be maybe Mm. predisposed to developing an eating disorder that could ultimately mean the difference between life or death and that sounds really drastic but it's reality it's for some people and not everyone but some people seeing diet culture messaging could could cost them their life yeah and I think that messaging just needs to be taken more serious like we don't people still don't acknowledge eating disorders as a mental health illness or a serious illness like we're not talking about eating disorders aren't just another diet that people go on to be skinny there's there's so much more to them and they are dire like when we talk about hospital beds and there's that many articles that are being published out now, the people that are suffering with eating disorders need help. Like we need help. We need resources. We need support. And because it's a real illness, it's yeah. not something that you can get over overnight. If you look at people's recovery stories or mine, for example, seven years on, I'm still here recovering. Like yeah. it's 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 a long-term recovery illness and it's something that needs to be acknowledged it needs to be recognized and change needs to happen because we can prevent this illness from occurring but we need education and we need more help and as you said we need to get to schools and make people aware that as you said this is an illness and it's not just another fad that we should be ignoring oh that is so so true ash and that is what it's not recognized as an illness enough is it like it is like I think so often you know the concept of eating disorders and body image they're wrapped up in this like low self-worth bubble and or like this 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 little like box of low self-esteem and that doesn't do credit Mm. to just how lethal these illnesses are and it also doesn't do any credit towards how much one suffers with these illnesses you know it's not a matter of just not liking your reflection you know that's not it that is there's so much deeper and more nuanced than that and they're so much more lethal than we than we give them credit for as awful as that sounds yeah oh definitely I think there's 
a massive mental health aspect that comes into that as well. Like so often people, and even at the start when prior to my diagnosis, I never knew anything about eating disorders. And honestly, I thought the same thing. I thought it was just a fad girls go on to be skinny or it was something that models could only get or elite athletes. And then going through it, I realised how much of a mental illness it was and how much it was to do with the mind. We see it so much as a body and the outcome of the body because it's just this thin figure or this skeletal look, but so much more complex than that. And there's so much to do with the mind and anxiety and depression and actually your relationship with food, your relationship with self and your relationship with exercise. There's so much more at play here. And getting educated and being aware doesn't just mean looking and acknowledging that thin bodies are not right it's looking and acknowledging that mental health has an aspect with this illness and that we cannot in the midst of it we cannot control we can't just eat something and that's one thing that I struggled with because my family was so like just eat it like it's that simple just eat it but this is where the mental health side of things comes into play because you're dealing with your mental health, your ill mental health, telling you that there's actually a disturbance between your relationship with food and your body. And that's what you have to mend as well. It's not just about increasing your weight and getting to a stable weight. It's about dealing with the issues as in the eating disorder is the outcome of something that has occurred. It is the coping mechanism. So you have to deal with what you're hiding, the trauma that you have experienced, and then so that you don't keep coming back to the eating disorder as a way to cope. And, and that's where I think education needs to come in as well. It's because the anorexia or binge eating disorder or purging or whatever sort of space you are in with an eating disorder, it comes as an effect. But there's, there's a cause that we have to deal with as well. No, you're absolutely right. And looking at us at an eating disorder as a body type is such a disservice to the the mental illness that it is because eating disorders come in all shapes and sizes and only a very minute percentage of the eating disorder population is a, you know, classically underweight, emaciated figure. You know what I mean? And we have to acknowledge that these are, like you said, they're illnesses that originate in the mind and, regardless of what you look like you can have a really really life-threatening eating disorder Mm. and that is the education we need as well because like you said too this um idea that eating disorders only affect young thin privileged able-bodied young Mm. girls Mm. that's a fallacy and it's also a major barrier to treatment and support Mm. for people that don't fit the stereotype which is the majority of the population and yeah. those people suffering. And if you, we know that prevention is so much better than treatment with regard to a long, you know, it's so much better to prevent someone from being sick than having to treat the illness that eventuates. And if we got that voice out there, that education that these are mental illnesses and they can come in all shapes and sizes and they affect everyone, perhaps then we would stop, stop so many people falling mm-hmm. sick with them. Yeah. And also I think promote people that have gone through it to use their voices because at the moment there's still that stigma attached that eating disorders are attention-seeking. And that's one thing that I struggled to do. I remember creating my first post um, after like coming back onto social media. I was so scared because I, for so long, I was scared of telling people that I had anorexia or even going back to school, I wanted to tell people I had something else than an eating disorder because I felt so ashamed that because it had a perception that people with an eating disorder are attention seekers and they're just looking to be skinny, they're looking to be beautiful, and they've they've put it on themselves. They've made the decision to be thin. They've made the decision to starve themselves or to have an uneasy relationship with food. And so that is on them. So coming back, I wanted, or coming onto social media, I wanted to have something different. I was like, I don't want to share with the world that I'm attention-seeking or that I chose to have an eating disorder, even though that wasn't the case. I didn't want people to perceive me as that way because I had an eating disorder. I remember making my first post 
and yeah being so so scared to share it online um and it was about eating disorders and then I remember I posted it late at night and I woke up the next morning and I had so many messages from friends from peers from everyone saying we have been waiting to hear from you we've been waiting to hear your voice we've been waiting for you to start this conversation because we want to learn we want to know and I think that was really reassuring because I mean for so long as I said the perception of eating disorders has been so false that a person with the eating disorder doesn't want to share their story they don't want to use their voice in this space because it feels so shameful to kind of let the world know that you're not okay with your body and that was really hard to admit to the world. Um, but I think when for us, for example, starting this conversation, it's to also help people like that use their voice and know that they're not alone and that they shouldn't feel ashamed. And that, as we said, this is an illness. You didn't choose to starve yourself. You didn't choose to restrict your eating. It was just the outcome and you lost control. And that's okay. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Ash, you just like struck, struck me right to the core because I, I resonate so deeply with that. And I know so many sufferers do as well in that initially we didn't want to share our journey because you're right. It's eating disorders are misunderstood to the point of them being conceptualized to a lot of people as this vanity issue and this preoccupation with someone's mere appearance. And, you know, how shallow is that? And that's not the reality at all. And that stops people sharing that they're suffering and that stops people from talking about this and having a conversation and getting help and getting validation mm. and getting support and being able to overcome that because you're right, eating disorders are so much more than mm. just something, a shallow preoccupation with how you look. And I agree when I was, when I was first hospitalised, when I came back to school and people asked where I was, I just said that I was sick with a heart issue and mm. how I'm so sad at my former self for thinking that that was the only way forward and that I couldn't be transparent that I'd had an eating disorder and that was where I was in hospital for. Mm. And that's so sad. You know, I didn't feel safe to be authentic and to be mm. transparent about where I'd been. And that's why so, so much of the reason why I do what I do now because I think, well, what if someone had had spoken about their story earlier to me and I'd heard it? And what if that was the difference between me going down the route of having an eating disorder versus maybe one of, you know, learning how to be compassionate towards myself and accepting of the amazing skin that I'm in? And, you know, what if that was the difference? And that's why I'm so proud of both of us that we've we've fought that, that scary stigma and we've said, no, you know, like let's abolish it. Like we had an eating disorder and we're not afraid to talk about it because it's not what you think it is it's not a vanity issue and we're mm. we're really more more than happy to break that down for you and mm. I I really do I know Ash that there are a young girls and boys that look up to you and think she is my role model and because Ash spoke about this I'm going to speak about this and it doesn't have to be a secret burden it can be one that is shared mm. and spoken about and not one that I have to fight by myself like you are remarkable. I'm so, I'm so. Oh, thank you. Oh. Why do you do this again? I'm gonna cry again. This is not a good day. Oh no, we love crying. It's so yeah. good. It's just we need we need to encourage more people to speak mm. up and to to not feel shameful for the suffering that they're having because at the end of the day they are suffering. You know they're not choosing this. An eating disorder isn't something that you choose to go through, and there is no no place for blame anywhere in in sickness or in health with regard to disordered eating there's nothing you know you you get an eating disorder in the same way that you might it's difficult to you know um, an eating disorder is just like having diabetes it's yeah. it's not a choice it's an illness it's one you can yeah. recover from yeah. so you know it's that's what we need to talk about we need to just abolish all the shame and all the stigma that surrounds it because it doesn't help anyone it certainly doesn't lend itself to healing yeah and I think it's really important as well like I remember opening up and talking to my friends about my eating disorder and they they tried really hard to understand but they didn't still didn't get it and 
one of the things that I remember having a conversation with someone and it was really hard to talk to them about was they weren't validating my eating disorder at all and, and it became extremely hard to be friends with them because they'd make certain com comments like oh well I always starve myself or I always just get breakfast or I always do this or I always do that and I'm always trying this new diet and it's it's like I understand like that's the culture and that's the environment that we're in but a person with an eating disorder they will stop at nothing to achieve that goal it's not there's an underlying issue there there is also a rejection of self they normally not all the time find it really hard to look in the mirror I know for me it was a massive thing I hated what I look, looked like I hated my body I hated who I was I I just wanted everything to be gone I, I didn't want to be here because I was so obsessed with being this ideal of beauty that when I didn't see it I was like well what is what is the reason for me me being here I'm never going to be loved I'm never going to be happy and to me, beautiful gave me those things. And I think it's very important the language that you use with someone that's going through an eating disorder state so they don't feel ashamed. And, and that's the thing as well is I think a lot of people are hesitant to be friends again with people with eating disorders or stay, you know, in contact or connect, connected with someone with an eating disorder. But no... I've made a couple of posts about this, but no, but just turning up for the person, like you don't have to try. Um, I know during my recovery, all I wanted was someone just to, to still be my friend, to not run, to not be hesitant around me or not know what to say, just to, just to be there. You have so many people there that are already talking about your medical issues and already talk about it, talking about your eating, your food. I just needed someone there to just be normal in your in my life and someone to just talk about the random stuff like the guy who just passed you on the street and was really attractive or some movie <laughs> that you watched that was really good like something just to make you feel like life was still there for you that yes you're you're experiencing an eating disorder and it's a tough time and you know all your medical team are helping you to go through recovery and achieve your recovery goals but then you can still have a life because during recovery you don't feel like you have a life because it's exhausting and it's draining and not a lot of people stick around for that because during an eating disorder you shut a lot of people out but if you could have a friend or a group of friends that just turn up for you just turn up just listen just keep things as normal as possible then I think that would help it make make it just so much better a greater experience for someone with an eating disorder so they don't feel like they're so alone and they don't feel ashamed of it a lot of my friends dropped off um which contributed to me feeling ashamed because I felt like they ignored me or they defriended me because I was now sick and I was now diagnosed with an eating disorder something that I chose to do which in their eyes I was attention seeking and so I thought that they didn't want to be friends with me because of that if I had one person that just stuck around just kept things as normal as possible it would have just made the difference so know that just turning up for someone um, with an eating disorder is enough I yeah. think is important as well and seeing the person as as the person first and not the eating disorder first yeah. Like, and seeing, I, I can definitely resonate with that. You would have just craved someone to be like, hey, Ash, how are you? You know, mm. aside from, yeah. I know you're going through some really hard stuff right now, but yeah. hey, have you seen that new high school musical? Because, <laughs> you know, like someone, I would have, yeah. I desperately wanted someone to see me as Imogen, as the, the yeah. normal Imogen. I felt like just got mm. completely disregarded. You know, you don't, you're not Ash anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're just, oh, you're the girl with anorexia and it's like hushed and yeah. you just crave for someone to be like, no, I see you. I see you're still there. Yeah, and you forget because you're still, whatever age you're diagnosed, whether it's in your, your adolescence normally, you're still a teenager. So you're still longing for that, that friendship. You're still longing to fit in. Sure, you're battling something very traumatic right now, but it doesn't have to be your whole life. And that's what was so draining with recovery was it was your whole life from like 
when you woke up to when you went to bed, you were just Anna, like anorexia. It was just every conversation, every therapy appointment, every time you woke up, every time you sat in front of a meal, every time you went to bed, it was just Anna. And there was no break. And I understand you're in recovery. You can't have a break. I get that. But you couldn't even talk to a friend, as, a, as you said, about the next high school musical movie. You couldn't even just feel like someone in your life was just normalising something a little bit, which it's just what you need. Because as I said, yes, we're focusing and trying to recover the physical body. But part of mental health is that social connection and is having people stick around and having people fight for you. Yeah, that was one thing that I think I craved as well was yes I have my medical team fighting for me but I want someone that you know I was connected to that I was friends with that yeah I had my family there as well but having someone there to fight for me in different ways is just what we need like we need to feel like we're just not alone and that we're validated even though that we're sick yeah, and we need to know that there is a life beyond our illness and that we're appreciated mm-hmm. for more than our illness. And that's a really, really, really integral part of recovery is moving beyond anorexia and your eating disorder and believing that you're worth more than that. And it's difficult to see that when for everyone, you know, for your friends and your family and, you know, everyone you love is is treating you like you're mm-hmm. still an eating disorder. And it's mm-hmm. it's you know, you need a distraction so badly when your whole life is consumed with an eating disorder. What you, what you want more than anything in the world is five minutes away from it. Think about anything else. Just please, someone, yeah. I, you just want to talk about the weather. It's like, no, I'm yeah. fine. Let's not talk about my meals. I want to talk about yeah. the sunshine. Anything yeah. else, please. Yeah, yeah. Did you find during your recovery that you shut a lot of people out as well in terms of friends and family? Oh, 100%. I was so isolating of myself because that is what gave my eating disorder more power you know the more isolated I was the more time I was able to give to my eating disorder and I think eating disorders capitalize off isolation and that's what they Mm -hmm. encourage us to do and you would have done the same I imagine you couldn't keep up with friends no or even family Mm. yeah and it's hard as well with family because I think they're fighting for you so much and I think there's a real tipping point because I know during my recovery for so long I didn't want to fight I had given up I was like I just want her to win I just want this to be over and it's so horrific to just let your family keep fighting for you and they're getting exhausted and they're getting drained and they're throwing their hands in the air and they're you know separating and and breaking up and fighting within themselves and just knowing like I just can't do this. Like I can't, I can't fight for myself. I can't do this for you guys. There's too much pressure to to do something that I personally don't want to do. And I, I think at the start it came to a stage where, I, yeah, I just I became numb. I was just existing. I was not feeling anything. I'd completely been taken over by Anna. That yeah, my parents had lost their little girl, my brothers had lost their sister and and that was, that's all that I could give them because yeah. I didn't want to be here, I didn't want to fight, it was too hard. Yeah, and the devastating reality is that especially when you are like us and you develop an eating disorder at a young age, you de- your recovery really um, depends upon the input that your family has, you know, they mm-hmm. almost have to adopt the role of, therapist um to encourage you to eat and to make sure that you're taking Mm -hmm. care of yourself and that's really difficult for both parent and child because you lose that maternal or paternal relationship that you have with your with your your parents you know they just become your therapists and you Mm -hmm. feel like you have no sense of family or loved ones anymore because everyone is fighting the eating disorder and when you're consumed with the eating disorder it feels like everyone's fighting you that's yeah. very exhausting. And you know, when you're in recovery that they were on your side, but when you're fighting the eating disorder, it, it feels very much so like you have to fight everyone all the time and that's exhausting. Yeah. And it's, it's like, I, it's hard to explain when you're not in the midst of an eating disorder, but when you're in it, you do, you feel like everyone is against you 
and everyone is fighting you and yeah your parents have to adopt this mindset of being the carer in the situation and you lose I remember I remember kept saying to my mom like I just want us to be mother and daughter again I'm so sick of you know you just having to tell me what to eat and you being strict and being like a an army soldier with me I'm like I just want you to be my mom and she's like but you're dying like I can't what do you want me to do just give up like someone has to fight Anna and if you're not willing to fight Anna or if you don't have the strength to fight Anna I have to and I remember her words stuck with me even up to this day because I am so grateful for my mum she fought for me even when I'd just given up on myself and I didn't want to be here and I was ready to let Anna win but she just kept fighting and fighting um and I don't know how she did it to be honest because it was horrific what we went through and to the point where I remember my dad at one stage was holding my mouth open and my mum was syringing food into my mouth because I just I couldn't eat um and I wouldn't I refused to and I was violent and abusive and all over just I couldn't I couldn't physically find the strength to fight the eating disorder because of that fear of getting fat. And you look back now and you go, how did I get to a place where I was so scared of being fat when what I was about to consume wouldn't have made a difference at all? And yet you get so overwhelmed and Anna takes that much control over you that you become insane. Like the stuff that we went through is just insane. Like docs knocking on your door, the police coming to your door, you know, threatening to take your child away because she's screaming and the neighbours are concerned. Like it's just, there's so much more to an eating disorder and it's a family, a family illness. It's not just the person that suffers from an eating disorder goes through this illness. You need a team behind you to get through it. And they go through the trauma as well. And no one can prepare you for battling or recovering from an eating disorder because every case is different, but it is horrific, the trauma that you have to experience to get better. No, absolutely. I think the, the people that fight eating disorders and the families that fight eating disorders are, are among the strongest breed of human mm-hmm. that exists. It is, like you said, it, is, it takes a community to recover from an eating disorder. It is not an illness that just affects individuals, it has a rippling impact on the lives of everyone in that individual's life like yeah. the impact is extensive mm. is there or was there a really pertinent moment in your recovery where you just remember committing to the process or having this realization that you had to you had to come up against this voice in your head <laughs> yes there was I um I was in hospital and I remember it was so unfortunately in hospital, I had um, my heart stopped twice. And I remember on the second time, I used to have out-of-body experiences. My anxiety was so high, my psychologist explained it, that my, my lid would flip and then um, anything could basically happen in my head. And I used to see double. So I would see, my, see myself standing in the corner of my eye coming towards me or I'd see what I would perceive as Anna coming and attacking me. I was yeah, my anxiety was so high and I was so malnourished that I just couldn't experience reality the way that everyone else had. So I remember when they were performing CPR on me, I was experiencing an out-of-body experience and I was watching the nurses perform the CPR on me and I remember looking at myself on the bed and then seeing memories from the moments I was born to the moment that I was in then so it was like flashbacks of my whole life and everything was happy until the last two years there were just the sadness and the emotion that I felt the loneliness and the hate that I felt towards myself um and then I remember looking to my right corner and seeing my um great nan who's got a very strong connection to my family and I and I remember her coming towards me and her holding my hand and being like it's not your time to go yet and I still remember her voice just being so pure and so beautiful and just reassuring me it's you got to keep fighting your fight's not over 
and then I remember a light just filling the entire room and waking up in the body um, like myself that was being performed on and once all the doctors and everything had finished my orbs and they checked everything and stabilized me I remember that day just staying in my room the entire day and writing a book and I still got the book now of my plan to recovery um, because for me I I'm a big planner and I like to research and do experiments so for me this is my experiment I'm like okay Nan told me it's not my time to go yet so let's just let's just give it a try let's just experiment let's see if if I put on weight, if my mind becomes clearer, let's see if what they're saying is actually true. And then in my mindset at the time, I'm like, worst case, I can go back to where I started. Not a great thing. I don't um, recommend that to anyone, but that was just my mindset at the time. Um, but from that moment on, I wrote across the page, I'm like, I've made the decision to live. For so long, I'd made the decision to die. So I switched that around. And I'm going to make the decision to live. And then I wrote down how I was going to get there. And by all means, it was not linear. Um, I think I was stuck what I would believe would be in quasi recovery for many, many years after that. But I, I'd made that decision. I wanted to live and I, I'd hit rock bottom. For me, that was, there was, I was going to die. I had two opportunities to leave this earth. And for some reason, I wasn't meant to leave then. So on that second time, I had to take the chance to just see if sticking around meant something, if I could do something with my life. So, yeah, I experimented and said was in quasi-recovery for a while. Um, then I had another epiphany moment where I was like, damn, I can actually fully recover after interviewing um, a beautiful lady from the Sunshine Coast. And I was like, wow, full recovery is possible. So once again, I planned everything and I experimented on myself and, here I am today, regained my period four months ago after completely letting go. Um, Gosh, that is, congratulations. Yeah. That is absolutely phenomenal. I'm smiling ear to ear for you. That is the most remarkable story I think I've ever heard. My whole body was just covered yeah. in goosebumps. It was like, you're meant to be here and you are yeah. fulfilling your life's purpose. I, yeah. You it's, are so. Um, it's pretty weird. Um, and I think it's so critical to say as well like from that moment I it, as I said it wasn't linear I didn't make that decision and then all of a sudden everything was up from there and I continued to gain weight every single week and I just my food rules were broken down it was bumpy as hell and but I decided that from that day I was going to fight like that was my decision that was my goal so every time that I went to a meal or every time that I felt challenged even if I didn't complete the challenge or I didn't achieve my goal I was like I'd made that decision I wanted to live so no matter what I wasn't going backwards I was going to move forwards and even if sometimes you know I slipped up or I had a mini relapse I was like no I am choosing to live that is a decision that I make that is a decision my nana made for me so I've got to honour that and I've got to see where this, where this life takes me. And along the way, I found my voice and um, here we are today, just shouting as loud as I can and just yeah. still trying to, you know, appreciate self and, and learn to love self and learn to know who I am as well, which is scary and exciting at the same time. And beautiful to witness, by the way, because you are a absolutely sparkling human inside and out <laughs> ash Thank if you, you could share one piece of advice with maybe one of your your previous versions of yourself or someone who's really struggling and in the trenches of this an eating disorder experience is there anything that you'd tell them or tell yourself oh my god um i feel like there's so much you could say and even with you you'll probably you know, you could have a whole list of things to say, but the one thing that I always come back to is to never give up, um, to keep fighting, that even when the world is turned against you or even when, you know, you don't have a great family environment, you don't have friends sticking around, someone has to fight for you so you be that person that fights for yourself because you deserve to be here. I mean, no matter what anyone says, no matter what even Anna says, you deserve to be here. You were put on this earth for a reason, a reason none of us probably will ever know the answer for, 
but don't you want to enjoy life, experience life, be free? And you've got to fight for that. And a lot of the time I tell the young girls that I mentor is that you have the choice. The the ball is in your court. You can choose to recover in 12 months. You can choose to recover in 16 years. You can be battling this for the rest of your life. It can be temporary or it can be long-term. That decision is completely up to you. You can pull any excuse out of the hat to be like, oh, yeah, but someone said this or my family environment doesn't encourage me to do that. I'm sorry, but there's still excuses because it's up to you. You decide how your story ends. You decide where your story goes and you decide how to use your voice. And if you feel like the world is against you, your environment is against you, be fighting for you. And you're the only one that can turn up for yourself and rely on yourself to do that and action that. So be that person and fight for you. Never give up. And to the little Ashley that um, I know has come out now, um god I wish I could say so much to her but I just want to give her a big hug and tell her that she's not alone she's so alone it does get better you've just got to have faith and you've just got to believe in yourself and and know that there is good in the world and you deserve to experience that good if you just give it a chance you've just got faith and that you absolutely contribute to it because you do ash Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, you are so much of what makes this world a good place. Oh, I I think like as you, I love being in this space because I get to meet amazing people like you. We get to share stories. We get to hear voices and we get to make change, even if it's a little change. We get to make change in each other's lives. Like meeting you has been so phenomenal and so empowering. Now I'm going to (laughs) cry. I feel like we we need to embrace and tell each other more how much we appreciate each other and how much we appreciate each other's voices because your voice on your own is phenomenal and you're doing amazing stuff in this space and together I mean we're freaking powerhouses and look at us look at us go ash we are changing this space ah on that topic sorry you I was just going to say, let's tell our listeners about The Secret Burden because it's phenomenal and they need to hear about it. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. It's um, It's been a wild ride. Um, but The Secret Burden was originally started from my mum who just wanted to go on Facebook and rant pretty much about anorexia. She felt like she couldn't talk to anyone. People didn't understand. So she just created a Facebook page called The Secret Burden and just ranted. Um, and then as I said, when I started my first um, post, I obviously got a lot of people that wanted to hear my perspective. So I sort of took over and then we created our own business called The Secret Burden, where we now, our main goal is just to start the conversation around eating disorders to get people talking about it in their homes, talking about it with their children, talking about it with their parents or the people that they work with just to to normalise the environment of starting that conversation around eating disorders. So it's not a taboo so that we can prevent eating disorders from occurring or people from picking up eating disorder traits. Um, And just to let people know that there is support and help out there, we do a lot of support groups um, by Zoom at the moment. but we also do events. So this year, unfortunately, due to COVID, we couldn't achieve everything. Um, but we do a couple of like ladies wellness events where we bring our community together and start conversations around intuitive eating, as well as looking after your body, looking after your mental health and what that looks like for you, because there's a lot of confusing content out there. Um, and then, of course, I'm just very active on Instagram and Facebook, just promoting being true to yourself and taking away that filter and enjoying who you are as a person embracing yourself um and just having a bit of fun like just enjoying your own skin and not changing it and not being told how to change it just loving who you are and oh and I also sorry it's kind of the secret burner so many different things um I do a lot of mentoring as well with young girls to know that they're not alone um, because I know I would have really wanted someone during my recovery to just hear me and to just listen. Um, So, yeah, we're always here just if you need a chat, if you need to rant, if you need um, to know where 
good resources are or if you want to attend one of our events where we bring in speakers or you know watch one of our secret sunday sessions that start conversations around health and well-being we're here we're that service that i just pretty much is to listen to guides and to, to hold your hands so yeah that was another big sum up so sorry but don't be sorry the secret burden is incredible and it has it starts so many conversations and it is a safe place for so many people, for sufferers and their loved ones and everyone in between. It's remarkable. And what you and your mom started so humbly is just, it's really changing lives and it's absolutely spectacular. Thank you so much. Oh my God. This is, we can't do this because every time we <laughs> probably compliment each other too much and then we both just end up tearing. It's all, all tearing up. I just want to give you a big hug. Oh, bless. We are. Let's. I'm hugging you. Consider it a virtual one. Okay, yes. I'm I'm receiving that hug. What does recovery look like now in your life? Are you, you're studying? Are you, what's, what's life like at the moment for you? I think for me, well, firstly, recovery for me means freedom. Um, Obviously, anorexia is so consuming and so restrictive that for me, that's, recovery is the complete opposite so it's having no rules having no food police no exercise police it's being spontaneous and doing whatever I want when I want and hearing my voice um I'm feel like I'm at the stage now that I can do that and I can honor myself there is definitely moments where I might experience something um where Anna seems to be my first point of contact to go to cope, which is something that I'm, I'm learning to, to manage as well. But I'm at the stage where I can acknowledge that Anna has come back in because something may have happened and I communicate that with my team that, hey, this has happened. Anna's just popped her head up um, a little bit again. Um, this is what I'm going to do, but can you just keep an eye out on me? And that that works in my experience. It may not work in yours. Um, but for me, being really aware of what's happening in my environment and in my mind is what's helped me recover and continue to recover and hopefully try and use different coping mechanisms. But she still seems to be my go-to, which is fine. Um, and then for me right now, I am kind of in the stage of I feel growth. I have had many years of surviving, of probably trauma and and learning and and just experiencing and existing that now I'm at the stage where I I know who I am I know what I want to be where I want to go and now it's just pursuing that and watching myself grow and and learning to to experience different things that you know a normal teenager a normal 20 year old would experience which it's kind of refreshing when I have different conversations with friends and family and I'm like, it's so good not to be talking about my latest food, you know, environment or my, my latest diet plan that I've figured out with my dietitian. It's so refreshing to talk about real issues with, um, you know, normalised things. So I feel like that's where I'm at now, developing my normal self, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, than that, I'm just studying, almost finished my journalism degree, which is phenomenal. I'm so excited. Um, and then just full-timing the secret burden because it said it's it's my passion, it's my my purpose, it's where I think I need to go and it's where I want to go. And now that I've found my voice, I I really don't want to shut up until someone tells me to. So <laughs> you're never going to because your voice is so powerful and so amazing. And it seems like right now your life is is just blossoming beyond your eating disorder and you're just being able to find out what Ash loves and what Ash is passionate about and, and pursuing that rather than having this god-awful yeah. beast on your shoulder insisting oh. that your whole life revolve around it. It's so yeah. it's so uh beautiful to be able to see. You being able to live your life finally, yeah. you know, yeah. and, it's, oh. and, and as you know, like it's it's freeing almost to know that you can finally separate yourself from her or or him in your instance. Like it's it's amazing to feel that you can really be like in my example, Ashley Thomas, and as we said before, not the chick with anorexia. 
you know, you can be someone beyond your illness. You don't have to be defined by that. And it's exciting because I think so many people as well, like that don't suffer from an eating disorder are quite scared of the future and not knowing who they are or what it looks like for them. But for a person with an eating disorder, coming out the other side is so exciting because you have so much to explore for the first time, so much to experience for the first time, so much to taste, so much to to go out and explore because for so long you've been kept in a box by your illness. Then all of a sudden you've come out and you're like, oh, my God, there are so many flowers and there are so many trees and this world is amazing and I just want to do it all. Oh, it's like seeing life in colour after seeing it in black and white. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's yeah. a whole new world and there's so yeah. many avenues and so many options and so many things to explore and to experience yeah. Yeah. and your energy and your love for life <laughs> is so contagious it is the most oh, oh, incredible thing to be mm. in the presence of it's you're so right you just yeah. recovering from an eating disorder is it just allows you to see this this life in a different light quite literally we yeah. are going to be probably vastly more mature than a lot of people our age yeah. purely because of the experiences we've been through yeah. and I don't think we'll ever take this life and freedom for granted ever yeah I, I can't um, I can't even explain the amount of times that people have said to me like you're like really really weird in the sense because I get excited over the littlest of things like going out and just like choosing something off the menu and being excited to have it come to me or like for example just saying yes to someone at work like if they hand me something to eat, I'll be like, oh yeah, I want some of that as well. Like that is life-changing for me because I would have never have done that in a million years, never thought I could do that and doing that and getting really excited and people are like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, you don't even know where to start. Like I, this is, this is all I want. This is all I've ever wanted to be free, to be spontaneous and to enjoy life and enjoy being me. Yeah, you because can't take away that. No, because you've spent so much time not able to do that. And so the smallest of things become the most beautiful of things. It's like getting up in the morning and being able to make yourself whatever you whatever you want for breakfast. Yeah. When that's like yeah. that's that's an amazing thing. And yeah. you know what I mean? We get to appreciate that. And do you know what? We get to I think that's where our body appreciation can really come into things as well, because I think I'm gonna go to the beach today and I don't care what my body looks like on that beach. Yeah. I'm going to be excited about the fact that I'm on that beach. You know, yeah. that, is, that alone is magnificent. And, you know, we just, there's so much that this life has to offer us. And it's so exciting that we get to pursue it. We're so lucky to have this for you, this mm. second chance for us, this opportunity to do it. Yeah. And it's so, so spectacular to see you just literally just taking life and just running with it. Like, yes, you, know, you are living. Well, I'm trying not to run. I'm trying to to slow down and to experience things. I get, I, I'm a bit of a runner, so I get really excited and I'm like, oh my God, I just got to do this, this, and this. But then I'm like, no, I should just slow down. You've got time. You can Take do a breath. <laughs> just smell the roses and just embrace everything. Enjoy um, the ride. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But I think the the message is still so clear that anyone, whether you go through an eating disorder or not, you create your own story. You have the decision to to end it one way or to end it another or to to have it go on a particular journey like that is completely up to you. There is nothing actually stopping you from doing whatever you want to do or changing careers 70 times or leaving for New Zealand tomorrow. Like there is actually nothing stopping you except your mind. And when you come to that realisation, you are open to doing anything that you want to do. So how can you not smile or be happy about that? Because the power has always been in you. Once you realise it, you can use your power for anything. So I think it is freaking phenomenal once you realise that. And once you do... Then you won't be calling me weird, people. (laughs) No, then they'll be on the same page as Ashley, living their best life, being empowered and just grabbing life by the balls. I'm sorry, that's not, that's probably not the. (laughs) We'll run with it. We'll use it. Yeah, it's not the most G-rated comment, but it's definitely warranted. What's G these days? Seriously. (laughs) No, absolutely. Ash, where can everyone find you and your glorious content? 
Awesome. Oh, thank you. So yeah, you can find me on Instagram at ashley.thomas. Um, otherwise on Facebook, you can find me at The Secret Burden. Um, yeah, that's just basically where I'm actively engaged. You can reach out if you just need, as I said, someone just to listen to if you're having a bad day or you think you're experiencing some negative body image um, concerns, um, you can reach out to me there. Or if you're going through an eating disorder and recovery is really tough as well, reach out there. Also on the Secret Burn Facebook page, my mom, um, she's actively engaged on that and reaches out and supports parents in any way that she can. They're going through an eating disorder, whether it's with their loved one, a sister, a brother, whatever. Um, so yeah, reach out to us there if you need help or if you just want to watch some interesting content. Um, I try to be interesting, not always, but no, you know, always. I have to butt in there. And, yeah, no, I have to butt in there and say, no, you are always interesting. You are always <laughs> incredible. I try. I try. I do try. <laughs> Ash, thank you so much for being here. I've had, I've spent this whole conversation smiling, and I know that our listeners will be able to, I hope they laugh and cry with us like we just did through that episode. I yeah, know that no, they we, will. We kind of went through Melbourne emotions. We did. We did. We had all sorts of emotional weather then. We did everything. Yes. No, it was awesome. And I just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity to, to allow me to share my voice and to share my story. It's, it's amazing that we can have the opportunity to both share our stories and know that what you're doing as well is phenomenal. And together we can really make a real difference. But, you know, being able to, to hear stories and hear voices, it's, it's the way that we can start making change the best way that we can. So thank you for the opportunity. No, stop it. Your your story is one that we will shout from the rooftops forever. We'll, we'll go down in history. It will always yeah. be an empowering one. Oh. Ash, thank you. And you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. <laughs> love you. I love you. Yes. <laughs>